This is Histories and Mysteries. I'm Ashley. I'm Jessica. And on this week's episode, um, Ashley's going to be talking about a psychic that helped solve a murder. Not really. (laughs) Yeah, I'll talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) And I am going to be talking about Pee Wee Gaskins. I always want I always think Pee Wee Herman when you say Pee Wee. Yeah. (laughs) So it has nothing to do with that. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. It's much, much worse. And perfect. Perfect. It is a lot of trigger warning, content warning. It's just horrible in general. I don't even know what to do with it. So awesome. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and as you guys may have noticed, Rochelle is not here today. Um, She is taking a mental health break. Um, You know, sometimes things just get overwhelming in life and you just need some time to recoup and relax and kind of get your head straight. So that is what she will be doing for the next couple of weeks. And we wish her all the best. And then she will be back with, I'm sure, a kick-ass story for you um, in a few weeks. So, yeah. So don't worry. She's still alive. We did not murder her. She's here. (laughs) Didn't we? (laughs) Didn't we? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) She said she's going to listen to this episode, too, so she's probably going to laugh at that. (laughs) (laughs) She's alive. (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right. So, yeah, my so I wanted to do because Rochelle did her story last week on the tarot cards and Mm -hmm. it just got me really interested in it. And I actually kind of want to buy some tarot cards. So I'm kind of like, I don't know, flirting with the idea. Ashley, let's buy each other tarot cards. Oh, cute. Yeah, Christmas. Christmas okay. is coming up. We'll do that. And then we can like open them on the show and like be like what kind we got or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> love it. Okay. Um, so I was like, you know, what'd be cool is to find a like crime that was solved by tarot cards, which was actually really hard to find. So then I found this <laughs> one that was solved by a psychic. Um, so it like wasn't really though, like <laughs> She, she finds things out kind of at the same time the police do. So it's not like she like helps aid in the case, but she like does find things out. So anyway, you'll see when we get there. Okay. All right. Trusting the process. Trust the process. (laughs) Trust the process. All right. So, oh, and I had to do this one too, because, um, I'm narcissistic and (laughs) I'm not really narcissistic. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) No. The, The girl's name is Ashley. And she's from Michigan, so. Oh, is it you? Well, she's dead, so no. Oh, <laughs> the, the, not the psychic, the, the the poor girl that died. Okay. <laughs> so I just felt like it was a calling to me, you know. Perfect. So on June sixteenth, two thousand and four, in Columbus, Ohio, twenty-year-old Ashley Howley was dozing off after working that evening. Um, she was awoken to the sound of glass breaking downstairs. So her room was upstairs, and she heard some glass breaking downstairs. She slowly got out of bed goes downstairs and a man jumps from the shadows of her house and attacks her. Ew, I thought you were going to say that the man jumped from her shower. <laughs> oh, no, that's terrifying. That's no, he jumped from the terrifying. shadows. <laughs> I um, read somewhere, like, you know how you always, like, swoosh the shower curtain back? Yeah. What are you actually going to do if somebody's there? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just karate chop them or you're going to be like, oh, my God, and freeze up. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, you're so right on that. <laughs> 
Like I always too, like whenever I have my eyes shut, like if I'm getting this um, shampoo out of my hair or something, that's when I start thinking about creepy things. And so I like, I have to like open my eyes and like shampoo gets in them. And I'm like, what does it even matter? How would you get shampoo in your eyes? Because I open them because I get, I freak myself out. So I got to look and see if anybody's there. Why would there be shampoo anywhere near your eyeballs? Because I'm like rinsing it out. Forward? And then just like drips down (laughs) you. Don't you like stand under the shower head? Yeah, but my head's like tilted back and like whoosh whoosh. I'm I'm going backwards. Yeah, okay, I guess you're right. So I guess maybe when I'm washing my face is probably a better example. this made no sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess you're right so yeah when i'm watching my face is a better example all right but, there we go <laughs> anyway so ashley <laughs> was able to get away from this attacker and she called the police and i have her 911 call Ooh. 911 what is your emergency ashley i just got beat up at my house and i think they're still in my house 911 okay who just got beat up ashley she begins crying it was really sad Aww. me and she's like, you did? And Ashley's like, yeah. And then I was like, okay, what's your name? Ashley. And then one said, who beat you up? And then she's kind of like saying something, but it's really muffly. Like you can't understand it. She's kind of whimpering a lot. You can tell she's in a lot of pain. Yeah. And so then I know one says, I'm sorry. Like, what'd you say? And there was more mumbling. And then 911 said, do you need a medic also, or just the police? And then she kind of like mumbles some more. And then 911 says, do you want a medic? And she says, yes. 911 says, are you outside? And she says, yes. And then 911 says, okay, I'll send them out to you. So while she's waiting for the police to come, she's obviously terrified. So she hides in the bushes. Um, But, you know, and the police arrive. But by this time, her assailant was already gone. Once the police left, Ashley called up one of her friends, Beverly, to make plans to stay at Beverly's place. Um, she packed a bag, told Beverly she was leaving and would be there in about 20 minutes, but she never showed up. So Ashley grew up in Livonia, Michigan, and that's outside of Detroit. So it's on the East side of the state, but she decided to move to Ohio and pursue her goal of becoming a social worker while trying to work her way through school. Ashley picked up a job as a stripper at a local club, um, but she wasn't a fan of the job or the atmosphere. And because she was a stripper, men automatically assumed that she owed them something. Um, One such man stopped her after work in the parking lot about two weeks before she went missing. He told her that she put on a hell of a show, um, said that he had a place not too far from the club and told her to get in the car with him. Ew, men are gross. I know. Unless you're a man who's a listener, then you're perfect. You're so wonderful, (laughs) especially my husband. You're great. Thank you for listening every week. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So obviously Ashley said no. Um, The men laughed and they drove off. So just like little things like this, you know, would happen to her just because of her profession. So, um, so back to after she went missing, it was about four days after she went missing, Um, And it was Father's Day. And up until now, her family back in Michigan didn't know that anything was wrong. Uh, But they were starting to get a little worried because they said it was unlike Ashley not to be in contact with them for four days. But when Father's Day came and went without so much as a phone call, they knew something was wrong. Yeah. So Ashley's family called the Columbus, um, Ohio Police Department, but they wouldn't take a missing person's report because they said she's an adult and she's allowed to be missing 
What? I have it in here. Excuse me? <laughs> Honestly, what the Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah. So Ashley's families and friends said, well, okay, if you won't do your job, then we'll freaking do it for you. So they started putting up missing, per- missing person flyers everywhere. They talked to a group called the Crime Stoppers. They did anything they could think of. So finally, after Ashley had been missing for two weeks, the police stepped in. What? Yeah. So the first thing that Detective Russell Redmond did was obtain a search warrant for her house. And he mentioned that all of her things were still in the apartment, like normally used things like a toothbrush, a hairbrush, which led him to believe that something bad had happened. Oh, and I wrote, shit, Sherlock. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have in here like a hundred dots and it says, um, not the 911 call where she said she was beat up at her home. And that literally. was the last time anyone had any heard from her. Literally. And I think it's weird because. Well, I'll, I'll get to it at the end. So <laughs> I don't want to give you anything away. You do that. <laughs> um, a few weeks later, they found Ashley's car abandoned in a nearby, par- nearby parking lot. There was nothing inside the car, not even in the glove box. Like there was nothing. And after this, nothing more comes from this case. After what? three months, the case officially goes cold. What? Yeah, nothing more. They had no other evidence or anything. It was as, it was as if she vanished into thin air. They had nothing. That seems so weird. Yeah. So at this point, Ashley's mom drove from Michigan to Ashley's apartment in Ohio looking for anything she could, any clue or anything she could find. Uh, One family member said that her mom felt like Ashley was already gone and she couldn't like, she couldn't move past it. She said that Ashley's mom couldn't function after this. She just lost her will. Um, And sadly, she couldn't find anything at Ashley's apartment. So she headed back to Michigan. One year later. A whole year later, uh, about 10 miles from the family's home in Livonia, Michigan, a lady by the name of Christy Robinette, um, she describes herself as a spirit guide, received a visit from a young spirit. Christy said she was petite and very pretty, but she looked really worn. Um, She said it was as if she couldn't talk. Uh, It was like really hard for her to talk, but she was able to say that her name was Ashley and that she had been murdered. What? Yeah. So Christy explained that when we pass away, we all have choices. So we have free will, just like we do in the living world. And we can cross into the light or stay in limbo and wander. And Christy believes that it took Ashley a while to understand that she had passed away and that she was in this kind of like limbo area. So at this point, Christy started to do some research into anyone named Ashley who was missing or murder. And she came across Ashley Howley. Uh, And Chrissy says she was stunned to see that the picture of the missing girl matched the spirit who she had seen in her room. That's wild to me. Yeah. Yeah, Chrissy says she had always seen ghosts. Like even when she was little, she would see them and it would freak her out because she's little. And she said, so she would hide in the closet all the time because she didn't know how to interact with these spirits that were coming to her asking for help. I always kind of wished that I could see spirits, but at the same time, I, I feel like that'd be a very scary thing. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm always like, ooh, let's go on these ghost walks. I really hope I see a ghost. And then when it comes down to it, I'm like, no, I think I'd be too scared. Like, <laughs> yeah. stay away from me. <laughs> well, and Christy said that she thinks that everybody has like some kind of ability within them, but it's just a matter of if you kind of like, 
work on it and practice it and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so anyway, Christy decided to email the detective on Ashley's case as well as Crime Stoppers. She said she started the email out with, you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but I see dead people and they communicate with me and I had interactions with one of your missing girls. I feel like there would have been like a better way (laughs) to start that conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so Crime Stoppers emailed her back and they said they emailed her back with the permission of the police department, basically saying that they didn't want to talk to her, but she could talk to Ashley's mom if she wanted. So they gave him Ashley's mom's phone number, Ashley's mom's phone number. And her mom put Christy in contact with Ashley's cousin, Carrie. So I think at this point, her mom just like, couldn't, you know what I mean? She just couldn't. So she gave her the contact information of Ashley's cousin, who she was really like, close with. I feel like that might've been like a breach of privacy to give away yeah, the mother's think- phone number. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of thought so too. So, especially like any person want to talk to her, <laughs> so. like any person could just email and be like, "Hey, I saw spirit. Can I have you the mom's number?" Yeah. Like if, like, what if the murderer was like going after the family? You know, what a stand-up police department and yeah. resources. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, anyway, Christy told Carrie that she had contact with Ashley, and Ashley had told her that she had been murdered. Carrie said she wasn't suspicious because she definitely believed in that kind of stuff, but she was cautious of Christy. Yeah. So one night, um, Ashley came to Christy, took her hand and said, let me take you there. Christy said Ashley took her, like, not physically, obviously, to a spot with a street sign that had an O sound to it. Um, she said it was a long word. Ashley also kept repeating light pine trees. She showed Christy a railroad track and said that her body was where she could hear the train. She also kept showing Christy water, but said she didn't believe she was in the water, but that there was like water somewhere. That's weird. Yeah. So Christy got a map of Columbus, Ohio, um, and she found a park called Three Creeks, which is where, oddly enough, three creeks meet (laughs) Um, and a railroad line goes through it as well. The park is next to a village named Obetz. uh, Yeah. yeah, The O, right? Which is an old railroad junction. So in November, a year and a half after Ashley went missing, Carrie and Christy head to three creeks. Before they were able to head into the park, park ranger Larry Peck stopped them and asked if they needed any help. And they were truthful. Christy's like, hey, I'm a medium. This girl's ghost came to me. We think she might be buried in this park. Yeah. Um, and Larry said he was extremely skeptical, as he put it, but he would take them to look through the park. You know, what's the harm? Mm-hmm. Um, so he said that Larry, as they were walking, Larry said that Chrissy's body language would change. Um, she would get more intense at different times. And he asked her what was wrong. And she said she was seeing dead bodies littered across the ground and hanging in the trees like everywhere Ew. and larry had told her that a lot of people have killed themselves in that park they call it suicide park oh gross yeah so as they continued walking through the park christy said that it wasn't right she said that ashley had showed her lighter colored pine trees but larry said there weren't any light um, colored pine trees in that area they were all dark pine so 
unfortunately they left the park um christy knowing that that wasn't the right place and they you know took their leave a year later christy kind of tried to move on because she just didn't think that she was going to be able to help ashley so she kind of moved on um and but the spirit of ashley would not let her um she said ashley kept coming to her uh she started to become angry but like she wasn't angry at christy she was just angry that i think like she was murdered and nobody knew it and nobody knew where her body was. Um, and Christy was the only one that could sense her anger. So it was kind of like directed towards Christy. Yeah. She said that Ashley's aura was also very gray and was admitting like just sadness. So, well, here we go with the shower. One Saturday morning, Christy was in the shower when all of a sudden Ashley's spirit (laughs) appeared. No, (laughs) terrifying my worst nightmare (laughs) (laughs) um and she appeared to christy and she was crying and she said i just wanted to be loved so one of the interesting things that christy said is she realized at this point that not only do like we go through the stages of grief but spirits do so you know ashley had gone through her anger and now she was in her sadness and um you know, they also go through the stages of grief, grief based on their deaths. Mm-hmm. So Ash's spirit continued to grow stronger and stronger. And because of that, she was able to show Christy more and more, give her more clues, more hints. Um, she kept showing her the light pine trees, but she was also now showing her a wooden fence that was kind of falling apart, an old cemetery with like very few headstones and kept showing her concrete over and over. So Christy decided to reach back out to Larry Peck, that park ranger. Apparently they had been in contact throughout because at this point, Larry was very trusting in Christy and like really believed what she said. So she reached back out to Larry and asked if there was a small family cemetery in Three Creeks. And Larry said that there wasn't, but he did recall that in a park called High Banks, there was an old family cemetery. And he said, you know, come to think of it, there's a lot of light colored pines in that and there's a train that you could clearly hear in the night cool it was also not too far away from some concrete bridges that went over the olentangy river so o-l-e-n-t-a-n-g-y river nailed it nailed it nailed it (laughs) there are also some concrete pillars and high banks so you got the concrete you got the light colored pines you got the old family cemetery you got the o name that was long you got some water so they're like okay well maybe this is it Mm -hmm. so larry christy and carrie decided to have another search and on august 26 2006 they did just that And Christy said when they got to the park, she immediately felt Ashley. Ashley told Christy that they were in the right park and she was going to guide them to her body. So Ashley took- Hold up, hold up, hold up. If you know where you're buried, why can you not just say, hey, I'm here, follow me? Well, she did once she was in the park. No, I know, but what's with all this cryptic shit and all these like images Well, you could literally just say, hey, I'm here? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um- I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how the spirit world works, but maybe she couldn't. Either. I don't know. That's you so know, maybe she just didn't have the power for well, it. I get that, but like, just, it's just weird to me. Yeah. It's like, you know exactly where you are. You can show pictures of it. Why can't you just like show, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's odd to me. It's confusing. It's interesting. Yeah. It's very fascinating. It's just very odd. 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I don't know. Right. Don't know. Yeah. So Ashley took Christy, Carrie, and Larry uh, to a small cemetery and Christy knew she was on the right track. The area they were in was a floodplain. So the ground was soft and Christy thought that that could be the water that Ashley was sensing. Um, Larry said, come this way. And once they were at the certain spot, Larry said, do you have any idea of where we are? And Christy said, no. Larry pointed past a beaten down wooden fence to a house and said, that's Ashley's ex-boyfriend's Bobby's house. No. Yes. So Bobby McMichael had been a person of interest since the beginning of the case, because apparently Bobby had gone to Ashley's apartment one night um, when there was another man there um, and accusations had been made that Ashley was like, not just hanging out with the other guy. And Carrie kind of said that they had always thought that Bobby maybe had done something to her. Uh, kind of, they felt like it was basically if I, if a, basically a if I can't have you no one can type of situation yeah for sure she also said there was a lot of stalking happening so her Ohio friends backed this up saying that they had been broken up for six months but Bobby was still like stalking her and around her the friend did say that there was rumors going around that Bobby had murdered Ashley chopped her into pieces and placed her in a container during this time in the beginning of the case they the police did questioned Bobby and asked him if they had any idea where Ashley might be. And the only thing Bobby said was, my lawyer said not to talk to you. Police were able to get a search warrant on, uh, for the property where Bobby's dad lived, which is also where Bobby lived at the time, but they didn't turn anything up. So it just kind of went nowhere. But back to the park, uh, Christy wanted to go on the property. She's like, well, let's go. Yeah. Uh, but Larry stopped her and said, it's private property. So there's no trespassing. We can't go. And Christy got really emotional. She said she wasn't supposed to leave. Ashley didn't want her to leave. She was so close. But Christy said that she thinks that Ashley's spirit was kind of trying to drive Bobby crazy, that Ashley was really mad and wanted Bobby to be aggravated. So she would show up at his house and freak him out at different times just because she's pissed. Like, you murdered me. I'm going to freak you out now. I love it. Right? So let's fast forward to December of 2007. Bobby viciously murdered his mom and her boyfriend what yeah what yes and he was arrested for this murder on january 1st 2008 oh he's arrested for that one right so (laughs) four years after ashley's disappearance police were honing in on bobby they interviewed his friends particularly garrett harish who said that bobby had asked him to help dispose of his mom and his and her boyfriend's bodies um, Garrett helped him bury these bodies, but was able to walk on the charge in exchange for helping the police with these three murders. Garrett was able to show police exactly where Bobby had buried his mom and her boyfriend. And while digging there, they found Ashley's body. Oh my goodness. She was only 100 feet from where Christy had been telling them to dig. And she was partially preserved in a quick setting concrete mix. Oh my God. Larry agreed that um, finding her body there wasn't surprise- surprising because that's where Christy had led up and he believed in Christy. Mm-hmm. So the investigation showed that Ashley was strangled to her death in her apartment by Bobby. He then left her body there for a few days before deciding how to dispose of her. Um, so the weird thing is going back to her getting attacked 
either she what a coincidence she was attacked by someone else and then bobby came back to murder her or she was attacked by bobby and didn't tell the police that it was bobby Mm -hmm. which is interesting to me well i mean it was muffled right so Mm -hmm. i don't know like maybe she was so beaten up that like she couldn't really get a lot of words out well the thing is the the police did come with the medic and she was good enough not to be brought to the hospital oh yeah you know shoot so i don't know if she was just trying to like if she was maybe scared of him and scared that if she said it he would retaliate worse or what but he probably said like don't say anything or or i'll kill you yeah 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 um so the detective said that he was amazed by how much of christy's story was true once they had found ashley's body sad garrett the friend was found a few weeks later dead in his apartment of a drug overdose so i don't know if it was a purposeful drug overdose or if it was an accident but so on april 20th 2009 bobby pleads guilty to the murders of his mother her boyfriend and ashley and he is sentenced to life in prison good sadly ashley's mother jackie died before they were able to find ashley's body so she never got that closure her body does rest next to ashley's um they put Ashley's body in a memorial wall because her dad said he didn't want to put her back into the ground. Yeah. And her mom is there with her. That makes Um, me want to cry. That is so sweet. I know. Christy said that she believes Ashley's spirit is still around and that she's helping those who died due to domestic violence kind of cross over into the next life. Oh, yeah. So that's what I mean. Like everything Christy found was true, but it's not like she like aided in the case you know what i mean like she kind of found it parallel to them yeah because they didn't believe her yeah so but i just thought that was really interesting oh and i got this it was a documentary called restless souls if you want to check it out cute well that had a nice ending yeah yeah um i'm assuming yours does not Mine is a wild ride. It's a short one. Um, next week's is also gonna be story will also probably be short. Um, Slacking, Jessica. No, they're just really, <laughs> really interesting cases, but there's not yeah, a lot of information, lot of information. on them. Yeah. <laughs> but they're super interesting. So I get that. Um, this is about Pee-wee Gaskins. Pee-wee Herman. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> So I got my information from a document called Real Crime Born to Kill. Oh. Um, how stuff works and all that's interesting. Nice. All right. Let's dive on in. So he was born March 13th, 1933 in Florence County, South Carolina as Ooh. Donald Henry Gaskins. His mother showed little interest in him, and when he was only a year old, he accidentally drank some kerosene, which caused him to have intermittent convulsions for years. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Later, he allegedly attempted to blame his crimes on this unfortunate incident. Okay. So, I mean, I think what is to come caused what happened, but... For sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> uh, he was of small stature and needed to compensate for that by being a bully and a troublemaker. So he was always doing something that he wasn't supposed to do. 
he got whipped a lot his brothers used to beat him a lot um gosh because he wouldn't listen so he also had a lot of stepfathers and he didn't really know his real father which is also like a thing i guess Mm -hmm. um and there was a lot of physical abuse at home and at school um so gaskins was fueled by an intense hatred for young women that he harbored from a young age according to investigators they believed that his hatred stemmed from his upbringing in which his stepfathers abused him while his mother stood by and did nothing oh gosh so he also had like a lot of hatred towards his mother yeah so just awful upbringing and that is where i think it truly lies yeah but again what the fuck do i know (laughs) (laughs) it's probably a bit of all of that (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh he was named peewee due to his small stature which fueled some big man complex issues later down the road (laughs) yeah okay okay Uh, he was taunted and bullied for his small stature, so he dropped out of school at the age of 11, and he started working part-time at a garage, and he met two local dropouts, creating a gang with them, and they called themselves the Trouble Trio. Cute name. I know. <laughs> he's 11. <laughs> okay, but what he's about to do is not fun. It's not good. Okay. It's not cute. <laughs> okay. Okay, so get the cute out now because it's going to be real bad. Yeah, shake it off. Remember, this is like some trigger and content warning and just... Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, the whole thing. They started off with petty crimes such as burglary, then assaulting children, bludgeoning victims, and then they eventually ended up raping one of the boy's sisters who was a toddler. Oh, my God. Yes wow um at the age of 13 he graduated from rape to attempted murder wow awful fact um was that gaskins was so neglected as a child that he first learned his given name in court for a string of rapes and assaults he and his friends committed as preteens that there's so much fucked up about what you just said like, there's so many things to focus on that are fucked up about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Isn't that brutal? Yeah. Yeah. So the attempted murder was while he was robbing a home and a young girl walked in on him and saw that he was stealing. So naturally, he hit her in the head with an axe. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. And obviously, thankfully, she survived and she was able to identify him. Yeah. Wow. 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 He was then sent to reform school until he was 18 years of age. Okay. So they didn't send him to like juvie or it was like a reform school. Yeah. Okay. He alleges the second he alleges a lot of this. A lot of this is he alleged. So, okay. um, For this whole story in regards to different things. Gotcha. But that the second night he was at reform school, he was ambushed in the shower and gang raped by 20 boys. 20. Yes. Okay. He accepted uh, protection from the dormitory boss boy in return for sexual favors. Yeah, I can see that being a thing for sure. Yeah. When he was released on his 18th birthday, he basically just picked up his crimes where he left off. Like reform school did jack shit for him. 
Well, I was going to say, it doesn't sound like it was very like reforming, you know? Yeah. I mean, if that stuff was true. Right. Uh, so his first round, oh gosh, I don't know English. He first <laughs> found work on a local tobacco <laughs> farm. <laughs> his first round. He first found. <laughs> close enough. It's so close. <laughs> Um, so he quickly devised a plan to steal the crop and sell it on the side, as well as to burn down other people's barns for a fee so that they could collect insurance. So he was just doing a bunch of shit. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's not as bad as what he was doing prior. So I'll allow it. Don't worry. My next line. Oh, perfect. Perfect. (laughs) After one year of being free. He was teased by a teenage girl for those crimes of, like, burning the barns Mm -hmm. and stealing crop. So, he busted her skull open with a (gasps) hammer. Oh, God. Well, I mean, don't bully, but also you don't deserve to have your skull busted open. No. But he was then sent to maximum security state penitentiary. Okay. And this place was run by power men. Who basically ran the prison. Mm. He was chosen by one of these power men as a sex slave. But he wanted to avoid being sexually abused again. So he approached the most powerful power man and he slit his throat. So he was then elevated to the top. Is this an allegedly or is this really happened? I think this is an actually something that happened. Okay. I'm pretty sure this is something that happened. Okay. Don't quote me. (laughs) He finally overcame his childhood problems of being small by being the big man and by being powerful because he killed this dude. Gotcha. So for this, he was convicted of manslaughter and he spent six months in solitary confinement and then the next 20 years in and out of prison. He escaped numerous times, but ultimately he was always reapprehended. I'm Googling him right now. I want to see this man as you're talking about him. He's about five foot four and like 120, 130 pounds. Like he's a small dude. Yeah, he's a small guy. Yeah. One of the pictures of him when he was like younger, he was a handsome dude. And then he turned into like this ugly, heinous dude. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And it was interesting because in the documentary, his daughter was on it. Oh. And she was talking a lot through it and all this kind of stuff and like showing investigators like not showing investigators people like where he would like hang out and stuff and like all this kind of stuff and it was just very interesting and like she she thinks that dad said and like how many people he told was true mm-hmm. investigators believe that it was just an exaggeration because of his big man complex Gotcha. But she's like, I believe everything he said. And she's like, you know what? I even testified against him in court, but I'll still love my daddy. She did not agree with anything that he did. And she was totally against it. But like, it's your dad. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. For years, Gaskins ruminated on those aggravated and bothersome feelings for which he found grisly outlets. He went on his worst murder spree yet in September 1969 after serving six years in prison for statutory rape. He picked up a female hitchhiker that same year. He approached her for sex, and when she refused, he beat her unconscious. 
He then sodomized her and then realizing how much he enjoyed prolonging her agony. Oh, I don't think I said that right, but I hope you all understand what I yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You just used the wrong tense, but yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> it is written correctly. <laughs> Your brain just didn't compute. <laughs> My brain was like, oh, I could probably say this better. I didn't. <laughs> so. Oh, that's terrifying. That's awful. Yep. Basically, he just like really enjoyed torturing his victims and prolonging their death. Ugh. And despite the fact that he would later keep his victims alive for days, he sank the first one into a swamp. Oh. Gaskins later described the first brutal murder as a vision into the bothersome feelings that had haunted him his entire life. Gaskins then raped and murdered his 15-year-old niece, Janice Kirby, and her friend, Patricia, also broke the following November 1970. Wow. Despite the fact that people began to disappear, it took years for Gaskins to become a suspect. And he even purchased a hearse. Interesting. He was regarded as strange but harmless by 1973. And this hearse even had a sticker on the back that said, we haul anything living or dead. But even his public boasting about having his own private cemetery was dismissed. And the fact that he openly stated he had dead bodies in his hearse. Oh. Yeah. Gaskins, according to his own account, had murdered up to 80 people he met along the South Carolina highway by 1975. Wow. This one's pretty brutal. I'm so sorry, especially because you're a mother. Oh no. Um, he then raped a two-year-old baby. Oh, baby. After drowning its pregnant mother. <gasps> he said he just couldn't resist raping the baby. Oh, that's disgusting. The baby was half black, so the baby and its mother needed to die. Oh my god. Yeah. Like how wow. horrible. That's awful. <sighs> yeah. So moving on from that one. When 13-year-old Kim Gelkins went missing that same year, authorities first picked up the scent on Gaskins. Gelkins had told people in town that she knew Gaskins before she vanished. He drew her out to the country under the guise of a vacation, but instead he raped and tortured her. Aww. Gaskins was apprehended when his lackey, an ex-con named Walter Neely, who assisted him in dissolving bodies, led police to the bodies of eight of Gaskins' victims. And on April 26, 1976, he was finally apprehended. Good. While he later confessed to the other seven murders, Gaskins claimed he was responsible for up to 90 more. He explained that some of these people were hitchhikers and others were professional hit jobs. He said, and I quote, there are a lot of bodies that have never been mentioned, but you've got enough for now, he told the judge. Authorities were unable to corroborate Gaskins' claims and assumed he was simply bragging. His daughter, Shirley, remains convinced that her father is telling the truth. Mm. Gaskins, who was charged with eight counts of murder, was found guilty of the first one on Mar- on May 24th, 1976, and he was sentenced to death. 
Gaskins received a brief reprieve in November 1976 when the Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty in South Carolina was unconstitutional. Despite the fact that the death penalty was reinstated in 1978, Gaskins was doomed to spend the rest of his life behind bars. Until he accepted a hit job on another inmate and then he was convicted of murder yet again. Rudolph Tyner was imprisoned for the murder of an elderly couple. Gaskins was hired to finish the job by the couple's son, who was eager to see Tyner dead. Tyner, on the other hand, was being held in solitary confinement, which made things very difficult. Gaskins first attempted to poison him, but Tyner always vomited the food back up. (laughs) This is a quote from Gaskins. I came up with something he can't be making sick on it. I require one electric cap and as much damned dynamite as you can get. Oh, jeez. And he said that on the phone to his accomplice. And it was recorded. I was going to say, what a dum-dum. Yeah. Gaskins gained Tyner's trust by rigging a radio with explosives and convincing him that this would allow them to communicate from cell to cell. Instead, the dynamite blew Tyner up and earned Gaskins the death penalty. (laughs) And they showed you the photo. They showed you the photo in the documentary. Oh, gosh. You can't find it on Google. The only picture you can find on Google is of Tyner's cell, so you can kind of, like, see blood everywhere. But, like... Oh, my gosh. It blew his face, like, the side of his face up. Oh, gosh. So investigators only needed to review Gaskin's prison calls to obtain the evidence that led to his execution by electric chair. What an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) He said, I'll take a damned radio and rig it into a bomb. And when he plugs that son of a bitch up, it will blow him on into hell. Hopefully taking you with it. It Jeez. I know, but... That's where he is now for sure. Yes. Um, Gaskins. I love this. I love this. Um, He was almost spared the electric chair when he slashed his wrists the night before his execution. Oh, my gosh. He needed 20 stitches. Oh, my gosh. To be repaired for the electric chair. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's kind of a moot point. Just throw him on there. Like, why does he have to be repaired? Uh, so that he can also suffer like his victims. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, does he really need to be, like, repaired? Like, just throw him on the electric chair with it? Well, I think that he would have just, like, bled out and died. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So. On September 1991, he was... Hundreds of his victims may still be bogged down and decomposed in South Carolina marshes... But we will never know. Donald Peewee Gaskin's life was marred by abuse, trauma, and neglect, and he harbored unrelenting rage towards those that he believed had wronged him. In the end, he alleged he was responsible for over 100 murders, if what he said was true. Wow. And he was described as a serial killer. And process-focused serial killers get enjoyment from torture and the slow death of their victims. These include three different types of hedonists, lust, thrill, and gain, and power-seeking killers. Lust killers derive sexual pleasure from killing. 
thrill killers get a kick from it gain killers murder because they believe they will profit in some way and power killers wish to play god or be in charge of life and death it's all disgusting right so that is my story on pb gaskins thanks i hate it you're welcome (laughs) i can't believe i've never heard of him before i hadn't either that's interesting um a fun fact yeah when i was googling pb gaskins to look at him there is an indonesian band named pb gaskins oh weird they said sanson and dochi which i'm assuming that's how you pronounce it two members of the band wanted a serial killer name for their band after doing some research on the internet apparently they decided that the guy who raped the two-year-old baby was a great name for their band holy hell yeah i hate them yeah me too <laughs> like what a way to kill your career Ugh, disgusting yeah um well like i said <laughs> thanks that was pretty awful i'm gonna go hug my child Oh, um, <laughs> mine is sleeping so i can't yeah uh well do you have a joke oh no but i can find one i think i had one but i don't remember it no jokes <laughs> jokes jokes okay Why do we tell actors to break a leg? Why? Because every play has a cast. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. I love it. (laughs) I like this one. Where does Batman go to the bathroom? I don't know where. The bat room. (laughs) Stupid. Oh my god, oh my god. Okay, what did one traffic light say to the other? What? Stop looking, I'm changing. That <laughs> <laughs> was so bad. I heard a funny one today on TikTok, but I think the funniest part was the guy is laughing afterwards. He laughed so hard at it. it so <laughs> that was like made it the best. Let's see if I can find it really quick. Okay. Did you hear about the guy who fell into an eyeglass machine? No. He's okay. He just made a spectacle of himself. (laughs) (laughs) Wordplay jokes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. We're our own comedians. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want more of these lovely jokes, you can find us on historiesandmysteries.ca we are also on tiktok instagram and uh facebook Facebook. yep facebook (laughs) and you can find us on all of your podcast listening platforms oh yeah oh also that's me next um can you also please rate and review us yes that would be fantastic that helps us to be able to reach a wider audience so we would really appreciate it thanks yeah and uh we look forward to bringing you two new episodes next week or no not episodes two new (laughs) stories next week bye